With your permission, my master. I've encountered a virgence. A virgence, you say? Hello, and welcome to Virgins, a Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Welcome back to Virgins. I know it's been quite a few weeks since we've gotten to record an episode together, but me, Shane, and Scotty are all here today to give you a new episode today. And today we're just going to kind of go over a little bit of what I mentioned last time, give you all a little bit of update, kind of, of just what's in the last week, what's happened with this channel, um, what we're kind of trying to improve on. Go over, we all have a game played together at least once. Kind of just give a little key points of what we may have noticed or what we like about Shatterpoint so far in the games. And then we'll go on to some character cards. So just want to start off to get everyone knowing, I know last time I gave all you listeners a little update about the channel, mentioning how we're sorry we haven't been able to record a couple weeks due to some circumstances that arose. Just to let y'all know, we are still trying to work on that YouTube channel. Just got to do a few more things for it, hopefully get that up and running. And I'm glad to say I have at least a slight prototype of a card tray for Shatterpoint that I'm hoping to test, make sure the dimensions are right, try and get that accurate, and make sure to see what I can do to keep it as nice and user-friendly as possible and also make it, if we end up doing this in the long run of any patrons or anything or just giving them away, make sure it's at least economically friendly for everyone to kind of be able to use if we want to give that away to y'all. So we're still working, still diligent at work to try and make this as great of a podcast as we can. But enough about that. Right now, uh, we all have, at least with me, Scotty and Shane, all have had to play a game. I played with both Scotty and Shane separately. Um, just kind of want to go over kind of what we liked about it, what we think is kind of cool so far with the games we played. Now that we have an idea, what we like, um, and maybe some things we don't necessarily care for, or that might be improvement or a change later on. But Scotty, do you want to go ahead and start us off and what's something you like and maybe something you don't like so far, what you noticed with the game? Sure. Yeah. So I think what, I like the most, um, like you mentioned, we only have one or two games in since, you know, it hasn't even released yet. But um, the fact that, you know, the struggle one can really kind of go a certain way, especially when it's your first game um, and maybe the person across the table has a bit more experience than you. But come struggle two, it is a completely different game. And even if you did sustain like heavy losses and struggle one, uh, that flipping objective placement and also being able to choose which map uh, you want to play on for that second struggle really almost ensures a, a struggle three, which that's like the whole point of the game, right? Is to kind of play more, have fun, and see if you can't turn the tides because nobody likes a complete washout. But if I did have to uh, say a complete uh, this early in the game, um, I would say that a lot of the attacks are either like all or nothing. So either you get a really good roll off and you are dealing a whole lot of damage in special conditions and being on the receiving side of that feels like uh, pretty hard to come back from, especially if you get a strain put on you, because we talked about how strain affects you even when you're not activated. So like you put a strain on Ahsoka, a lot of her defense expertise allows her to jump around and stuff. Well, she can't take advantage of that without first taking uh, the three damage. Um, but then on the other side of that is that you can roll a really lackluster attack and really be counting on, you know, a couple shoves or dealing enough damage to knock a player. So that way they're not contesting an objective and it, it just doesn't happen. And um, I don't really... I, at least personally, in my very limited experience, haven't seen 
a, uh, a middle ground there yet. And that's probably mostly due to my inexperience and not really knowing what to expect from roles, but, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'll agree. And of course, to preface this with everyone listening, of course, this is pure, this is just, we're playing online on the TTS. This game hasn't even released yet. We've only played a couple games. It's a grain of salt. We're, le- we're still learning this game. I'm learning something new every time I play, or basically every time I'm logging to Discord, I'm learning something new about the game and the roles. But I'll, I'll agree with you about that as well. It's, it's some roles seem to be hit or miss. You either, I wouldn't say it's all or nothing, but you either get very few successes or a lot of successes. And kind of just, there's very little, there's a lot of variance, it seems like, almost at the beginning. But hopefully either that comes out later as more characters get released, maybe the balance starts going there or something. But yeah, I'll, admit, I'll agree with that and kind of the sort of waviness of roles it seems to be. But I also agree. It seems like I played on TTS between you two and got two other matches in, one with our guest coming Sunday. We didn't get to finish that one. We'll talk about that later when he comes on. And then one other one. And all of them went to phase three, except, again, I'll mention this later on in a little, little bit of a preview um with our guest it was really close in phase two so i might have been able to eke it out due to some really lucky rolls but it does seem like at least 90 percent of the games are going to go to phase three which is nice it means you know again if you lose the first one you're not out of the game phase two you're probably hopefully going to win as long as dice are not super mean to you but it seems like it's definitely going to be a most for the time three phase game and Shane, what are your thoughts? Anything you like? Anything you don't particularly like about this? Um, so I think I'll start off with the likes. Um, I feel like the pacing of the game, even though it's a little bit slower online, I'm sure it'll get a. It, I'm sure it'll get faster. A as we learn the stuff, and B as we get face to face, right? Um, but I really like the pace of the game. I like the back and forth struggle. I like the, you know, I activate someone, you activate someone. Um, Even the uh, mechanic to draw the random characters and all that, none of that was bothersome. It it felt like almost cinematic to me where, um, you know, almost uh, watching the cartoon and up here comes Darth Maul and it's his time to shine. And now we cut away. Oh, and there's Ahsoka, and she's doing something counter uh, on the other side of the planet or whatever. And it, the pacing to me just feels amazing. And I, I loved the back and forth and how cinematic it was. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It seems like a lot of the games are really nice. And I, I imagine myself in multiple games be like, oh, it's Ahsoka versus Maul over here. Then you got Anakin versus Asajj over here, and they're both fighting for this and everything. And it really is very, very fitting and thematic for this type of game. And I agree with the pacing. They did this great MCP. They're doing it pretty well with this brand new game, Shatterpoint, of just this back and forth. You know, you activate, I activate, you activate, I activate. That's one of the things I know I didn't care for back in X-Wing that, there's this kind of, you know, some people might get several chips that they get to activate, and the other person gets several. It's not so much back and forth as much. So they really nailed it down with the pacing, though. And it's, it's probably one of the best parts about this game as well. Um, anything else about this? Do you want to share any comments or criticisms at the moment? Yeah, I, I think in a couple of games that I've played, there were several times where the correct answer for what a character was supposed to be doing at that time was to not take an action because, you know, they weren't hurt. They were on a point. Maybe the enemy wasn't on a point, but they were still engaged. So the hunker wouldn't do anything. And, uh, you know, it just felt a little flat sometimes when, you know, I, I had an extra action, but attacking maybe wasn't the right choice or I had already attacked 
I didn't want to move. Again, I don't have any damage on me or whatever. It, you know, it just felt sometimes like that was a weird play pattern that I got myself into. Yeah, and I can understand. And especially I found that at the beginning, um, the very first turn or couple of turns in phase one is gone to the point of I move this character, advance them. I really want to get that one point there. So it's either I have to spend a force to do that. I can't really spend an action. And it's kind of like a Ugh, this weird kind of kind of what do I do moment. And also, yeah, especially in phase two when there's a back objective and you know there's two active objectives on your side you control, one that I control on my side, that's that's the um priority objective. And I flip, say, maybe a Sauce that's already sitting on the point. She's on the opposite side of the map. What do I do? There's not really a whole lot I can do. And yeah, it's kind of a, well, I got myself into this mess. I don't know. Maybe I didn't have enough force to put in reserve at that moment, so I was forced to activate her. And that's kind of like a, I do wish actions had a little bit more oof to them. I wish there's either like maybe another action you could do something between a take cover action, maybe forgo the hunker token and get like a double, a, a small like two inch range move or something, or maybe doing something to make it so that actions are a little bit more impactful, especially since you can only do one per, you can only do two actions that you can't duplicate. It'd be nice if maybe they had a little bit more for maybe an additional action that's something different, like a risky take and dash, but you have to roll some dice and you might take some damage or something. So yeah, I'll agree. There are definitely times where I found myself with an extra action and not really sure what to do because there's just nothing around at that point for the character that activated. And maybe as the game goes on as well, more guns will come out and, Maybe it'll be more at least shooting and stuff that I have an, uh, as an option trying to shove someone a little bit further back and put some additions on. But yeah, so that's something that hopefully we'll see addressed later on as well. Um, any other last minute comments you all have as far as you want to mention about the games we played? Any good, bad? I wish I had learned this at the beginning. Here's a rule everyone should know from the start just so you don't get caught up. Yeah, I mean, it comes across as, you know, we're dishing out kind of a lot of negativity, but it's because uh, the game is brand new to us. And honestly, like, besides all the stuff that we brought up, like, I have nothing but good things to say about the game that, uh, like you guys mentioned, the pacing is great. Um, I think that, like, my favorite part is being able to play the characters like you see them on the show. So, like, Lord Maul is just completely ruthless and will go in and mess up like a group of enemies and then take a whole lot of damage and come back even stronger or you know anakin is going to go do his own thing and be very capable and probably be able to turn the tides by himself just because he's in my opinion definitely the strongest character in the game um, so it, it's definitely a whole lot of fun and i'm sure that you know once we get more than just a few games under our belt it will be a little bit more obvious. Like um, I know when, when we played Ryan, I spent all of struggle one hoarding all of my force points. And then at the end of the first struggle uh, and after I refreshed my order deck, I still had like four or maybe just three force points left over. And then my goal in struggle two was just to burn as many force as I could possible. And uh, that went really well for like, you know, the first couple of activations. But then when I really needed it, uh, for like, you know, Anakin's, this is where the fun begins. Um, it, it just wasn't there. So trying to find the middle ground in the entire game is definitely going to be entertaining. And I'm, I'm really just excited to, you know, get hands-on minis, play them in the shops and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I agree. It's way too early to say, hey, this definitely needs to be fixed. Again, we're all just making suggestions. It's, and just little critiques. And as the game progresses, there may be characters that just fix this. This may be just, here's the characters they had ready. They had the core set. They're going to release this. They've already realized what the issue is. They're going to release characters fixing that further down the road, which 
it's fine by me. I know one of the things, and I'll go ahead and go over my points. Uh, I'm going to start with the bad. I do. I'm a person who likes to start with bad news first, then good news. Um, I do think this game is great. I love the pacing. Um, I do wish, as even though the dice are wavy sometimes, that attrition had a little bit more oomph to it. Because, I mean, yes, models get wounded. Yes, they their force co- their reactive and active abilities cost more uh, more force for each wound token they have, but it's really just if they're on the point already and they haven't activated yet, their opponent can still draw the card. And they may activate it, remove the wound, and then still have be able to kind of contest that objective on their turn that may become the priority objective in more phase two. It's just kind of that I wish there was a bit more bit more play for attrition characters. And granted, I will admit, since they spoiled uh, Dooku and Obi-Wan's cards and their whole um, sets of cards, that I'm racing Django as a pretty scary attrition character with being able to dish out damage outside of his activation just being near you. So I'm hoping that's kind of addressed a little bit more as new cards come out and we might see maybe the health stays relatively the same, but we might see a little more options for damage or outside of activation damage to try and slowly pile on that attrition to where it kind of makes it more viable. Um, but one of the things I do really love about this game, and I will admit coming from MCP, is that you have options. Whether it's, you know, starting off with before the game even starts with deck building, building your strike team, who do you want to bring? Is it, hey, which stances do I want to be in? Which do I want to start off with one stance and go to another for those primary characters? Or it's simply, hey, I have the option of two actions. Do I want to do this and this, this and that? And even then, in attacks, you have the stances, they could branch out. Don't want to go down the stance, down the tree, up the tree. Maybe there's a middle. Maybe I start off in the middle and go down. I just love the options of this game. This helps me and my theory crafting brain of going, ooh, do I want to do this? Ooh, I could do this, do this, mix and match. And it's just half the fun of games for me is that before you even sit down against your opponent, the kind of deck building or the strike team building aspect of it and what options I have available. And that's half the fun for me. And one of the things I just love about this game, love about MCP and pretty much all the other AMG games they have right now is just that aspect. And this just takes it to a whole other level in and of itself. So... With that all out of the way, we're going to go ahead and go over three three character cards. We're going to go over Maul and go over Rex, and we're going to go over Rex's the 501st clones. And Shane, if you don't mind, go ahead and start it off, off with Maul. Sure thing, Ryan. So Maul, right at the beginning of his card, he's got two Force abilities, Force Speed, which costs one. There's no place to run, which costs two immediately reminds me of my days playing web warriors in mcp which i loved so he can make a move with four speed there's no place to run he can um, choose an enemy character within three pull that character range two toward um uh toward a chosen ally and then the chosen enemy gets uh, a pin that to me is just amazing. And uh, I, I love that control of pulling people off of points, you know, uh, making them more susceptible to taking damage. Um, the next is when it's when that unit is wounded by a melee attack after the attack is resolved, uh, he can immediately move, make a five die attack. That's great. I don't think people are going to be attacking Maul all that often. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there will be situations where uh, attacking him is really good because um, he is going to try to be on point. Uh, his card does only flip once, so maybe that 
only 22 health will give people some incentive after playing the game a couple times. I don't think so, but it's possible. Um, but the, his real money is in sustained by rage where when he would spend force, he can suffer damage equal to the cost of the abilities. And for every three damage he's got on him, he can add one die to his melee attack rolls. Um, and after he gets injured, he just adds three dice to his attack rolls. Um, you think about it, his abilities cost a total of three. So if he's burning both of his abilities to move, pull somebody towards him, then he gets the extra die right away. You play into his tree on the bottom side. He's got two heals. So it's possible if you can get four successes, you know, spoiler alert, it's possible if you get four successes, you heal two of that back. And he took one die and, you know, one damage and got to add a die to his attack rolls. That's pretty sweet to me. Um, so let's look at the backside. So on the backside, he's got Dark Rage. He's got Sinister Cunning. Uh, Dark Rage has seven melee dice and five and five on both um, attack dice or uh, defense dice. And this just has a ton of damage coming in uh we got two damage at the beginning the next track has two damage either way you go um and then i think the way he's gonna go down this track is either the middle or the lower track at the middle low at the middle track he ends up um on five successes getting seven damage and three shoves which if you've played the game is amazing um mm -hmm. On the lower track, he gets eight damage, um, or sorry, uh, 10 damage and two shoves. Also amazing, 10 damage, I believe, is still the highest damage in the game. I don't think we've seen one higher than that. Um, looking at the other side, though, Sinister Cunning, he picks uh, his melee attack goes down to six dice but he picks up a seven die ranged attack. A seven die ranged attack is just amazing. It's range four, which I believe is confirmed to be eight inches. Just fantastic. One success, you get the shove. One success is two damage and a shove. Two successes, you get a reposition along with it and a couple more damage. You know, after that, like I said, you know, he goes into... Uh, a pinner and expose. And then after that, he gets into some healing and a jump and some more damage. It pops out on both of them at 10 damage. And, uh, you know, but really the bread and butter right there is at the beginning. He's moving his opponent. He's moving himself, popping four damage. I, I just think it's amazing. You know, also his perfect defense on the sinister cuttings, uh, cutting size from one to three, you get two blocks. Getting two blocks for one expertise on defense is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I understand on his dark rage side, maybe it goes up better with a heal and a uh, jump and some other stuff. But, you know, really, man, just getting those two blocks, reducing the opponent's tree down two steps it is just fantastic so what do you think ryan no yeah i i love ball um just as a kind of math guy kind of i am just trying to theory craft run the numbers maul does have the most damage because he's got a total of 10 in the tree but on both stances depending on and no matter whether you're doing a range attack in one stance or melee attack in the others, there is the option of if he gets enough expertise, there's two additional damage. That's a total of 12 damage. I don't care if you're Anakin, if you're Maul, uh, find another Maul, that's going to one-shot you. I I don't know if we'll have many characters that have more than, like, 12, but, man, that is a lot of damage going through on his end and it is just insane being able to do that on either stance so again stance doesn't matter so much as far as if you just want to do pure damage but i do like the flexibility of 
one stands being a little bit more on the defensive side, one more on the offensive side, and you can do some shoves in there. And heck, technically, if you do Dark Rage, you can do some, you can forego some damage to put on like a strainer, something if you want to go to Sinister County and do some different pin or expose or something. And it's just, it's so much damage. I love it. And like you mentioned, and it's great, and I'm sure they did this on purpose. This wasn't, I'm sure they thought about this. Yeah, you use both your force abilities and on his on his card. You don't do the force. You take that damage. You just take that one extra dice right off the bat before maybe for the first turn or the first activation. Your opponent doesn't have to damage. You do it yourself. You get the extra dice. And I it just love it because he's at the moment of the course at least, he's the only primary with the range attack, so that's nice as well. Range four, pretty long, and seven dice. Doesn't get to add the additional dice from the damage with that, but hey, just do an extra attack like we mentioned earlier. Sometimes we're in situations where, hey, I activate Asajj or someone. I may not have force to get up, to want to get off the point because I still want to contest and keep my point from getting it later on. I kind of want to sit there, but what actions do I take? Well, Maul can just focus. It was lightsaber. There we go. Problem solved. So he's just anyone wants to do damage and try and get some damage in. Maul or Anakin are going to be probably the two characters, at least in the course, that you're going to want to be taking. Maybe you want to take them together too at that point. But yeah, I can just kind of gush over Maul a lot. Um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a preview slash hot take. I think Maul's going to want a Magna Guard next to him so that he can keep not using force, damage himself, and if your opponent's nearby with a melee attack, you can't target Maul because you got to go for the Magna Guards. So, I'm just, I can see Maul being in Wave 1, just being probably everywhere. What do you think, Scotty? Yeah, I think you two have basically nailed exactly why Maul is going to be such a, a force to be reckoned with because like it like what do you do you know do you just let him do what he wants on the field because you're afraid of giving him the damage to make him stronger or do you try to eliminate him early but give him so many more extra attack die that he's also he's going to take down at least like one or maybe another uh unit on on your side um and i think that's those are the cool moments uh at least in the the games that we've played, where the focus turns from, hey, I need to hold this objective to like, well, now I want to go like punch that guy because he just punched all my guys in the face. And so I, I think those are the the definitely more fun moments because who doesn't like just throwing a whole lot of a die on the on the battlefield and see how much damage they can do. Yeah, I agree with that. And at max, I believe if I did the math correctly. At maximum, assuming you're not completely wounded the second time, but if you have one injured token and then you have nine more damage on you, you've got two health remaining, that's an extra six dice in melee going into your opponent's face. You're probably going to get that all tree, and you might be able to get those expertise dice to give you all that damage. It's... It's just crazy what he can do. And also one of the things that I think I messed up on my first game when I played Maul, and I think this is going to be the counterplay to Maul, is if he takes damage and he decides not to spend force off the back, yeah, kind of cap try and capitalize that as soon as possible so that he's wounded, because then on when he's wounded the first time, once he's got the injured token, now his force costs more. Now if he wants to do that, Four speed plus there's no place to hide. He's gonna have to take five damage. That's about halfway to be in or wounded the second time. So then it starts making your opponent's life a little bit more. Do I want to or not? And I think that's gonna be at least the what well, I think is gonna be the counterplay to him. I don't yeah, I mean, I think you were talking about the amount of dice that he could possibly roll. I think that's one of those bingo card gaming moments where it's not really practical to think about Maul with, uh, you know, 
17 dice or whatever it is, but uh, or 13 dice. But it's one of those things that you will do at some point in time in, the, in a, your gaming career, and it will be fun. It will be a memorable moment. I'm not sure it's good, but it could happen. Oh, yeah. It, it may not happen often. Your opponent may be able to just keep him knocked out, keep him away from the field. But there's going to be that time your opponent's going to get him on a second wound, and he's not quite gone. You get one more activation. You turn, and you get that maul activation, and he just runs up to you and punches you in the face with 13 dice. Also, um... Just to clarify for anyone who's listening or new and still learning the game, this counts with Maul's, ident- um, I believe, his ability to uh, dash and do a fight to you when you wound him. His revenge, a must-have revenge ability. This stacks for that, too. So you wound him the first time. That first wound gives him three additional dice. He gets to then dash back at you and do eight dice. That, I mean, that's quite a few dice already. Maybe not enough, maybe depending on enough successes how these go to do his full tree or not. Again, we're not sure. It's, again, kind of variable, but that's scary to think, think about. And then he would him a second time. He gets that extra six and doing 12 to 13 dice. So he's a, ri- he's a real risk-reward character. But, again, if you just like rolling dice, I'm for you. And then kind of moving on to Captain Rex, Cody, would you like to talk about Captain Rex for us today? Yeah, absolutely. I think I named him as my favorite non-force wielding character, and that's still true. Um, it's funny, I'm actually rewatching Rebels right now because, you know, it's going to be kind of relevant with uh, Ahsoka coming out soon. And both Maul and Rex have like such major components in that show, and of course in Clone Wars, uh, that it's ironic that we're talking about them today. Um, so Rex is a secondary unit, uh, Maul is a primary unit, so that's important to keep in mind when we're comparing them. Uh, Rex only costs four squad points, his stamina is nine and durability is two, so that's two less than Maul. Uh, his tags are 501st, Clone Trooper, and the Galactic Republic. And then he has a tactic ability, which is get a move on soldier, and tactic abilities happen at the beginning of your activation. And so Rex or another Galactic Republic character can dash and then gain a hunker token, which uh, we were talking about a little bit before we started recording how important those uh, those dashes and then the hunker tokens that stack uh, can really make a difference when you're trying to stay on an objective. Uh, Moving on to his normal abilities, the first one is an active ability called defensive maneuver. It costs one force point and each character. So basically just Rex can dash. And if he does dash, then he can hunker or gain a hunker token. Uh, So that's just another easy way to help him keep up with the Jedi that are all flipping around and stuff. Uh, Make sure that he's still relevant rather than just running on his two legs. Uh, Next up is I'm Always First Kid. It's a reactive ability that costs one force point. If Rex is not wounded after a fellow clone within range three makes a combat action, Rex can dash and make a five dice melee or ranged attack targeting the same enemy within range and line of sight. So this is important to remember if you flip over Rex before you flip over uh, your clones. Maybe this is a good reason to put him in reserve and let your clones go first so that you can get that I'm always first kid. And so one game that I played with uh, with Rex, I didn't get to use this activation or this ability the entire activation because I really wanted to. But the triggering event is pretty specific that a clone trooper within range three makes a combat action, which doesn't always happen. Uh, his last two abilities are both passive, first of which is bring it on clinkers. Uh, if a clone within range three of Rex gains a hunker token, then the clone may also heal. This is super important, especially when talking about special conditions, because heal, you could either remove one damage or one special condition, and those are super crucial. Last and not least is Brothers in Arms. So while Rex has a hunker token, he also has Steadfast, which is super important for staying on an objective, not getting shoved off. And Rex as a secondary only has one stance card, Tactical Supremacy. And just like its name, it is very tactical. So you have two options. It is a uh, five step three and they meet with the last step. 
The top has seven damage and expose, a shove, a reposition, and it's definitely the more damage heavy of the two. Uh, however, the bottom only has four damage, but it has two shoves on the first and second step, and then a uh, two heals right after that, then a pin, and then of course the reposition and the damage at the end. Um, so not a whole lot of damage on that bottom one, but two shoves, the two heals, and the pin make it probably my favorite of the two branches just for tactical sake. If you're trying to stay on objective and push somebody off and then pin them to make sure that they don't move while removing any special conditions you might have, uh, definitely a uh, super viable option. And onto his dice stats, he has a range of five. He rolls uh, the same attack and defense dice on both sides. So seven attack and five defense, uh, which is pretty reasonable when you look at his three, which is only five steps long. Uh, his ranged and attack expertise tables are also the same. So for one or two expertise, he gets two strikes, three or four, he gets two crits, five or more, he gets two crits and a strike. So nothing, you know, to write home about, but it's pretty consistent. And then in the same vein of consistency, his clone armor gets him one block for one or two expertise. And then for three or more expertise, he gets two blocks. So he seems like a pretty easy to use, straightforward character. You know, slap him in a squad and have him and his clones hold down an objective while, you know, Anakin goes flipping off to save the day elsewhere, um, I think is really, really the best move for Rex. And maybe it's just my bias towards the character, but I think that he's going to be a pretty, pretty popular option um, along the same lines as Bo-Katan and her uh, Clan Kree's Mandos, just being able to hold down objectives because, of course, that's how you win the game. Yeah, I'll agree with that. He's he definitely seems like one of those guys where, you know, especially you know, a little spoiler alert, when it's Obi Wan's pack with you know having Cody and the two hundred twelfth clones, he's just gonna be that guy. Is like you want to make a clone arm, slap that bad boy in there. I love that he that get a move on. Um, we'll talk about Kalani later on how he kind of compares to Rex as they're both kind of secondaries and they have that same kind of uh, at the beginning of their activation they can move people but what i love about his is that his no range it's like as long as they're galactic republic it can be anakin ahsoka clones whoever might come out later padawan ahsoka tano i imagine is going to be galactic republic um it can be anyone and they just get a free dash they can be on the other side of the board and off of an objective because your opponent pushed him off they should get the dash back. The hunker token varies. Um, again, spoiler alert, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's going to be really nice because if you go back into engagement range, you won't lose that hunker token immediately. So that's going to be a plus, but at least for the dash in of itself, it's just going to be really nice that you can be anywhere on the map as long as you're Galactic Republic dash them. And he gets his own dash too, so it may cost the force and maybe more if he's wounded. But that just kind of helps keep the whole thing of strategy and his whole kind of tactical analysis of the battlefield situation sort of thematic of move him, you move here, and it's just great. And he puts out a respectable amount of damage or, in particular, um, some conditions. So he's, he's good. And it's also nice that he's got good dice in general. He's fairly average maybe a little bit above the curve possibly but there's nothing really in particular wrong you can melee you can range he's just very versatile very strategic and has a lot of tactics to his character so i i like him i think at least at the moment until maybe more clones release in the future but with wave one like I mentioned you want to run clones slap that bad boy in there what do you think um, Shane. I think that his money, his make or break is going to be the bottom section of the tree. Going to be really easy for him to get two damage, two shoves with his seven dice. Either he's just going to raw dog it or he's going to get the three um, expertise to get the automatic two crits. Um, I, I really see him going far to just get a whole bunch of control in there 
if you set him up with the clone troopers, he can get out there. And after they make an attack, he can move people off of points for them so that they can take their second action to walk on the point. Um, he's just got a lot of versatility there inside of the scenario game. And I like it. Yeah. And um, one thing I do want to mention also that you, you both touch on about the whole, you just got to get two successes and you get two shoves, two damage. Really easy. Those Mandalorians with Bo-Katan or Bo-Katan herself that give the freaking Mandalorians protection and also steadfast. You just got to get two successes and you can be like, I don't care that you have steadfast protection. One damage and your game shoved is at least probably going through it pretty likely. So that's, that's what I like to see is that characters, I think, that have at least the option of at least two shoves are going to be really key in this game, especially since Captain Rex himself has can have steadfast if he has Hunker token. And I know, again, spoiler for future, there's other characters that will have steadfast with Hunker tokens and stuff as well. Just having that versatility of having two shoves and super close into the tree is going to be really key to keeping the objective and keeping things under your control. So to kind of end things off, we're going to talk about the 501st Clone Troopers. They cost three squad points, seven health, and two stamina. So on the lowest end of health, we have so far of only a total of 14, tied with, I believe, the... Clan Kree's Mandalorians, which also only are 7 and 2, only have 14. So they're on the more easy to possibly remove from the battlefield as we can kind of get at the moment. Um, on their card, they have Defensive Maneuver, which costs a force. Each character in this unit, so both models, get to dash and gain a Hunker token. Pretty similar to what Rex has and what Rex gives out. More synergy with that. They also have reactive coordinated fire. When a character in another allied Galactic Republic unit makes an attack as part of the combat action before dice are rolled, the unit may, this unit may use this ability. If the targeted character is within five of a character in this unit, that target gains the strain condition, which, again, as we mentioned, strain is really scary because it can proc outside of that character's activation if they use a reactive ability or something. So that's kind of almost guaranteeing, hey, the enemy character that you put them on, going to need to either heal, or they're going to possibly take another three damage. That's pretty good. Uh, Brother in Arms as well, you got, while this unit has one or more Hunker tokens, it has Steadfast, which mentioned just a moment ago with Rex. If the opponent doesn't have two shoves in their tree, they're not going to be able to get those guys off the objective via the tree. They're going to have to probably wound them at that point to keep them from controlling that objective. And going on to their stance in the backside, we have a range 5 attack, which throws 7 attack dice, and they also have 5 range defense. And in their melee, they only roll 5 Dice for their attack and only four defense, so a little bit weaker in the melee side. Still a little bit above the lowest, but still on the lower end. For their tree, we have it starts off you have to choose the pin as the first success, and then two damage as the second success. And then it branches out from there. You can either choose the top tree, which has then a shove and a heal as the third and fourth success. Or the bottom tree has a strain and then a reposition and a damage as third and fourth success. And then they converge at the very end of the fifth step, just two damage. So a little bit of versatility there. Their blaster, the range attack, has one to three expertise. They only get one hit. And then it costs four plus expertise, you get a crit. So not that reliable, not that great. But what really is bad is their melee which is the B1 slap of if you get one or more expertise, it doesn't matter. You just get an extra hit along with probably the worst expertise we have in game or as far as melee goes. 
So I like these guys, especially with Rex. Again, you can, I'm sure everyone listening can tell just by the kind of similar abilities they have with Rex. You're going to be able to easily stack probably two or three hundred tokens on these guys. They can stay at range. They can shoot halfway decent. And they can help kind of just help your other units by playing strain tokens on enemies and just kind of helping out the battle from a little bit further distance away. But overall, I think they're on the weaker side as far as both damage goes. I think they only have a total of maximum five damage, although you have an option of playing a strain on the enemy. But maximum five damage and again, some of the weakest um, melee defense and melee attack damage, attack expertise they have, we have in the game so far. But overall, good at range, probably pretty bad at melee as far as everything goes. What do you think, Scotty? Yeah, these guys, you know, they're not very exciting, but they're a support unit, so they can't be all that exciting. Um, I think... Is it the B1 battle droids? Yeah, B1 battle droids, if you get one expertise or less on your defense expertise, then yeah, you just don't get anything. So at least they get something for trying. Um, but when you pair you know, the right supports with the right primary and secondary characters, that's when they, they get more impressive. So uh, being able to have steadfast, um, having them stick together and have coordinated fire, dealing out the strain uh, there's definitely a, a way to play these guys and um i'll likely be using them as you know i i played the galactic republic and legion and i'm all about the clones just a big wall of clone army so uh these these will do fine alongside rex and um also anakin so that that's that's what i want to say about my clone troopers <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Shane? Any, anything you think about these guys? You think they're they're pretty good, pretty bad, somewhere in the middle? I think hot take here. They might be the worst unit in the game. So Ooh. unless unless you've got tags that really matter to them, clone trooper, galactic republic trooper, they are the least exciting thing out there. Their abilities are meh. Their combat tree is meh. They're only throwing, uh, you know, five melee dice in order to get one shove on the third rung. Like, uh, and as you said, the bash, it's got the worst expertise in the game. Like, I, they are just 100% solely unexciting. They don't really do damage. They don't really move people. They're not doing a whole lot. But if they can support somebody through the abilities, like we just talked on Captain Rex, where now, out of activation, they're allowing Rex to do a couple of shoves. They turn up to 20 for me. But just on their own, okay. I think they're the worst unit of the game. Okay. So, got one question for both of you then. Um, let's start with Shane then. If, say, we already have spoiled the um, Dathomirian, you know, Witches and stuff like that, uh, Savage, and everything like that. Assuming you, for some reason, had to fit a three-cost support unit, and you're down to either the 501st Clone Troopers or B1 Battle Droids, which one would you pick? The B1 Battle Droid, with their deck manipulation that is extremely unique to them and offers something that you just don't have ever in the game, I think is better than what these guys draw. It is true that the B1 battle droids need four steps for a shove. So that's a, you know, a, a little bit of a knock on them, but the battle droids just on their own, give you a little bit of deck manipulation. I think that the deck manipulation is going to be very big. So unless you have some other reason to bring them in, I think the battle droids are going to beat the clone troopers in my list every time. What do you think, Scotty? I know you're a little biased on clone troopers, but I'm kind of curious if you 
may agree or disagree for a different reason. So this is just the support unit by itself, no other? Yeah, assuming, assuming it had no, you're with Dothamirians, you have no tags in common, nothing. You just need a three-cost character. And right now, I don't believe you have any other three-cost characters. So so you can't take, you can't synergize with whatever Dothamirian witches or anything have, Night Sisters, whatever. You gotta throw one of these two in there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's a hard decision because I feel like the clone troopers might be a bit more consistent and a little bit more hardy. But with the two extra health and the, we talked about this last time, the bigger base. So like resolving shoves can put them a little bit closer. Uh, their movement is also just a little bit quicker and. Just the. It's it's such a hard decision, um, mm. but I think I'd have to go with the with the B ones too because simply because I can't I can't delineate anything else other than their abilities, all of which are passive. They're never going to cost you force, and they're all solid abilities. They're all passive. They're always going to be on. They're not going to cost more once you get a wound. So got to go with them just because they are countless. You could just throw them at a problem until it solves it. Okay. Okay. I'm actually, I think, obviously the minority. I think phone troopers are just a little bit better in a vacuum by themselves. And the main reason is because this game is so focused on positioning. We talked about it early in the podcast about, you know, not having actions, maybe being just out of range, not being able to throw an attack at anyone or anything. Being able to, I think these guys can actually, in, at least in their own bubble, um, be a little bit more separate from each other and still be able to provide something versus the B1 battle droids, although B1s can, um, if they sep- if the B1s in their own separate, they lose one of their one of their abilities of being able to combat AI protocols. And then that's one of the, I think, one of the best parts about them, at least in a droid army. So losing that, I think, is huge in, in a vacuum in and of itself. And then you also have the ability for clones to have Steadfast, which I think is, I love Bo-Katan. And even though I'm a droid guy, I play Bo-Katan. I had her in my list for a while. I love her because she gives protection and steadfast. And even though droids have protection and clone troopers have steadfast, although steadfast needing to be having a hunker token, the battle run droids have to be contesting an objective. I think steadfast is the superior, uh, um, superior keyword to have. And again, um, going back to kind of how they can be separated, they coordinate a fire, even though it only does for public characters so it doesn't it wouldn't have any effect in the vacuum at least they could be separate and if they were in a list for whatever reason they could be separate and still be able to help out granted it wouldn't help in the documentary list but that's just a plus for me and they have a dash again we talked about positioning and i'll say it again position positioning they have a dash they have they can't. The only option isn't just ad, advance with the move action, and then maybe do the take cover action to get that one range one little bump. They have a bigger base, so I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 90% sure. Yes, it costs a force, but they have more movement options, and they can get further down with that ability versus a B1. So again, going kind of whole. They could be further across the map. They could be separate from each other and help out more. So I'm actually going to say five first on my end. But I'm happy to be the minority, and I love droids, so I'm happy with that too as well. <laughs> so kind of end things off. I know I don't think I did this last episode, but I've... I mentioned I was going to do this, and I forgot last episode. And I'll try and remember for 
our special episode for everyone listening, we're having an episode coming up and we're hoping to have it released before or probably I'd like to have it on May the 4th. As a special episode for y'all, we'll have a special guest. Um, I'll try and remember this at the end too. But I forgot to do my question for y'all for the day. So my question for this day is one I'm going to say is probably highly contested amongst the Star Wars community. But of course, everyone has their opinion. I won't think any less of anyone. <clears throat> but what is your favorite Star Wars movie? The in-the-theater release, episodes 1 through 9, Solo, Rogue One. Shane, what's your favorite? That's a really tough one, Ryan. You know, <laughs> I actually saw Empire in the theaters when it first released. I know I'm old. Um, you know, and I have good memories. It's one of the first movies I remember seeing in theaters um, and enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm one of the quirky people who loved Solo. I could get past the, you know, oh, I'm by myself. They call me Solo thing. Um, so I have a little bit of a different view. <coughs> but honestly, man, I just think Rogue One was so well done. It was shot well. The acting was really good. The character development was really good. Anytime you can get Forrest Whitaker in there is just a joy to watch for everybody involved. I, I got to hand it to Rogue One. You know, I also really did like the newest trilogy episodes, you know, seven, eight, and nine. And uh, so they're, they're up there for me as well. Uh, honestly, I liked it all. I even liked the original trilogy, but so, but Solo and Rogue One have to be up there for me. The standalone movies and Rogue One edging it out. Hmm. Nice. What about what about you, Scotty? What do you think? So it's kind of a. It's funny that uh, Shane said it was a tough one for him. It's a pretty easy one for me. Empire has always been my favorite movie. I feel like you know after the the first movie, which is iconic, they like did so much more with Empire and then. I mean, Return of the Jedi is also a great movie, so you can't knock any of the original trilogy. You can't really knock any of them because, like, ha have your problems with what you will with the uh, the sequels, but cinematically, they're they're pretty solid movies. Um, if I had to pick one, I'm going to sound like a broken record of the new that new movies that came out. Rogue One was definitely like what got me excited about Star Wars again. Um, back when it came out, I saw it like uh before carrie fisher passed and then after she did and uh really just kind of reignited my love for star wars not that it necessarily went anywhere but just as a franchise it's got such great uh messages and it's also so much fun and i'm glad that like the cinematic universe is growing with things like you know the mandalorian and ahsoka uh, but as a long-winded answer to what's your favorite movie, and the answer is Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, oh, the Empire Strikes Back is so good, and so is Rogue One. I am actually going to agree, and I will say I like Rogue One. Although I will admit, if if it, you were asking me this, you know, before Rogue One came out, it'd definitely be Empire Strikes Back. That is out of the see out of i think one through nine the actual numbered episodes i think the best and it is plot's great acting's great just everything i think in general is about it it's great but rogue one took that leap of faith that we star wars fans would love a non skywalker non force sensitive movie about just some general troopers general kind of quote-unquote nobodies getting together and help even fill in some plot holes that we had in episode four and like how to get the death star plans you know blah blah and all this stuff grand the movie saw maybe some plot holes in it itself but it answered some questions that we've had since the beginning of star wars that we never quite had and again just that chance they took of you know, let's see how the normal uh, in-the-trenches troopers are like. 
and have characters develop from them. And I think personally, if Rogue One wasn't a success, you probably wouldn't have had the Mandalorian and we wouldn't have had all these other shows that kind of go on non-force sensitive characters as sort of the lead characters and it's just a cinematic masterpiece in my opinion and I'm I will admit seven I know was contentious when it first came out because they you know they're so similar people say to episode four but personally I understand why but to have just an after that have a great movie it was just and from a different perspective it was just so relieving and was just a great idea in as far as Disney's Disney goes to actually release it after episode seven and give us a little bit of a, a little bit of a different taste of a movie. I'm going to go ahead and end it here for you. Um, again, everyone listening kind of keep an eye out. We'll hopefully have YouTube um, episodes up. I'll try and make sure the next one I play whether it's with Shane or Scotty or anyone, I'll try and make sure I can record it, hopefully have that uploaded as a battle report or something, or even just as a raw file, just to kind of give you all something to watch and maybe even help learn the game as it kind of goes and progresses. We'll have that hopefully going soon. And again, keep an eye out for some time next week with our little fun special episode with a guest. But you all stay safe and have a good night.